Hello, sports fans. Welcome to the Jumpman Chronicles. I am your co-host, Spencer O'Neill, and with me as well is our other co-host, my best friend, sports analyst extraordinaire, Jake Harrington. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing great, man. How about you? Not too bad. I'm, I'm excited to get to a little bit of news with you, man. I, I know we had kind of talked uh, a little bit in a couple of years ago about, you know, trying to get a podcast started and you know, talking more about sports because we talk about sports pretty much all day, every day and send messages back about it. So I was super excited that, you know, you came to me and said you want to start a podcast and kind of go over some sports news, man. So, you know, I really appreciate it. But uh, how about you, man? What about you for our first episode? How, what do you like to tell the viewers? Man, I'm super excited about uh, doing it. Uh, I've been wanting to do a podcast for several years now. I've been listening to several of my favorite sports podcast, the the Golick family, the SPP pod, Barstool Sports. Um, I've just always been wanting to do a podcast and no one I wanted to do it more than with you, man. Oh, man, you know, I appreciate it. You know, I'm excited to sit here and <clears throat> talk some sports with you. So, you know, let's just go ahead and get into it. I know this is our pilot episode. So, of course, you know, we'll go over a couple of semantics. And then we'll get straight into the sports. So, you know, we're going to try and do a recording once a week, uh, you know, give an episode of what we see in the NBA or any sports news that might be something of relevance. Um, Of course, you know, we're not going to make it too crazy. Um, You know, we've been talking about this stuff for years. So hopefully we can kind of just keep it a, a witty banter to keep you guys laughing and something nice to listen to. Um, But we want to start out, of course, with a recap from the last couple of days of sports, primarily the NBA. Um, Of course, I want to jump straight into uh, Kyrie Irving and then go into the Brooklyn Nets and the huge four-team trade they facilitated. Um, But let's start with Kyrie at least and kind of figure out what's going on with him. So uh, let's see. It's been, what, almost five games after tonight that he will have not made an appearance in a game. Um, I I just think that's crazy, man. What, What are your feelings on it? Uh, he's, um, it's definitely crazy. Um, and he could potentially miss even more time with the NBA investigating, uh, some COVID protocols that he did not follow. There's some videos out there of him at a birthday party of one of his family members without a mask. Mm -hmm. Um, according to NBA's COVID rules, that is a no go. Um, but other than that, um, he just took time. Uh, he's calling it a personal uh, absence. Um, he's a he's a different guy. He's a very very spiritual guy. Just look mm-hmm. him up on Instagram. Research about Kyrie Irving. Uh, he's going through some stuff, man. He didn't even let Steve Nash know he was going to be leaving. Um, Steve Nash kind of found out minutes, maybe even an hour before the game, and. Hasn't really heard from him since, other than I, I, I'm not playing. Um, so a lot of people are speculating on whether or not he wants to play basketball. Uh, earlier today, Stephen A. kind of had a outrageous clickbait type of take where he said that Kyrie Irving should retire. I'm not in favor of that. He's arguably one of the best point guards in the league, if not the best, when he's, he's oh, without playing. Without a question, man. Without a question. He's absolutely deadly. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on him, man? I, you know, I, I find it, you know, kind of a, a tough thing because, one, I was very excited to see Kyrie come back in the season. Um, he, you know, has had his issues with injuries. 
Um, he's, you know, kind of been looked at as kind of the bad guy when you go back and talk about him and LeBron's connection and their time in Cleveland and then how he kind of jumped around to, you know, a few different locations after LeBron left. So through the season at the beginning of it, I was extremely excited to see him play. Um, I, I told you earlier today, I think the guy's a wizard on the court. I mean, he he makes the point guard position play like a true point guard. Um, with that all being said, and even as great as he is in sports, I still do see and understand that, you know, through this time, we're, we're all going through a troubling time. We've got COVID. Um, there are a ton of issues that are going on. If you haven't turned news on and looked to see what is going on in this nation, I mean, it is, you know, it's enough to drive anybody crazy. And you talking about somebody that's in the limelight, I'm sure he feels like he has a need to uh, make people you know, understand from his position of, hey, I'm an artist and people are looking at me in a different way based off of race or religion or whatever it might be for him. Mm -hmm. He feels personally attacked. Um, I hate this for the Brooklyn Nets, um, especially their fans. I know how excited they were to see him and KD both on the floor this year. Um, even if they weren't going to get a chance to go to the games. I mean, the Brooklyn Nets were are, are still in and were with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Um, they were a team that was probably slated to go pretty far into the playoffs this year. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Um, and you got to think on the fans' perspective. I mean, they've been waiting over a year for this. I mean, Net, uh, Kevin Durant signed with the Nets last year after his Achilles injury. Um, and then sat out the whole year. Um, Kyrie Irving, like you said, was kind of up and down with them last year. Uh, didn't go into the bubble with them. Um, they competed last year in the bubble, but we all knew they were going to be an early exit. Uh, but, yeah, definitely Kyrie's going through some stuff. I want to see him back uh, out on the court, especially with KD and their newest addition with James Harden because news broke today that the – Houston Rockets traded James Harden in, like you said, a four-team blockbuster trade with multiple picks. Uh, the Pacers are involved. The Cleveland Cavaliers are involved. Just lots of moving parts. Uh, the Rockets. Yeah, I, absolutely, man. I mean, they, they have, this was kind of one of those blockbuster trades that you kind of you know look at it, and when you see it pop up on your phone, you're kind of like, there's no way that there's this amount going into it, but. Of course, we everybody knew that James Harden is ready to move on. Um, he showed a lot of interest in moving to the Brooklyn Nets, um, especially because he has a connection with Kevin Durant, has a connection with Kyrie. Um, as far as also, I believe uh, Mark D'Antoni is an assistant on the team as well. That is correct. Um, so he, I think he was kind of like, look, Houston, I've done everything I can. I'm ready to go. Um, and I would like to say I don't think that he kind of forced their hand in it, but I also know the amount of power that these guys have when they are oh. a superstar caliber such as himself. I definitely think he, he forced his hand. Um, well, it was yesterday he came out with a video basically saying, this is it for me. Um, basically called out the entire Houston Rockets roster, basically saying they're not good enough when he actually brought most of those players or advise the GM, the management, hey, I want this guy on my team. Um, in a way, Harden did Houston kind of dirty. Um, if you remember back, Houston traded for uh, Russell Westbrook and then mm -hmm. shipped him off to Washington. He's like, all right, well, John Wall's here. 
Um, also, he was playing with Chris Paul for a little while. He said, nope, I don't want Chris Paul. Ship him to OK City for Russell Westbrook. Um, they did this all for James Harden because um, he 100%. was he was their go-to guy. They did uh, a lot for him. Uh, just to give a recap for everybody on this trade, so the Rockets get Victor Oladipo, um, Dante, I think his last name is Exum, mm-hmm. um, and then they get four unprotected first-round picks from Brooklyn and one from Milwaukee. Uh and then four unprotected first-round pick swaps. So that's a total of eight first-round picks. Unbelievable. Um, if you remember, the Rockets gave up several of their picks to get Russell Westbrook from the Thunder last year. Um, the Rockets, the Thunder, they've been uh, trading lots of picks away. Also, the Suns, when the Suns got Chris Paul from the Thunder this past offseason. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, so the Nets get James Harden, and then the Pacers get Karis LeVert, which I think is an awesome pickup by the Pacers. That's a win in my book. That's a uh, win. Karis LeVert dropped 40 on Memphis, I think, a week ago. Um, he's been killing it ever since uh, Kyrie Irving stepped away from the game. Uh, and then the Cavaliers kind of step in here. Uh, they get Jared Allen and Terry on Prince. Uh, by getting Jared Allen, and they already have uh, Drummond on their team and Kevin Love, I think the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to get every rebound in every single NBA game from now on. Yeah, man. I, I, I kind of look back to, you know, the Monstars and Space Jam, and they're like, you know, <clears throat> they used to call LeBron James and the Lakers, and which we'll get into, but mm-hmm. they're kind of those guys. And now I'm looking at the Cavs, and I'm like, you know, I'm trying to figure out which one of their players is going to be out on that field or on that court that's, you know, less than 6'5 at this point. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> Cavaliers are uh, – they're definitely going to be long and uh, able to rebound. They got Colin Sexton there. Um, and Darius Garland, uh, they've been great so far. Um, they just need to keep improving. Uh, Colin Sexton is going to continue to get better. Uh, what else do you think about this James Harden trade? Do you think who's the winner in this trade? You know, if I, if I look at it for a piece by piece and I say, okay, let's, let's talk about, you know, I do this thing when I go to the, the drive through of my favorite fast food restaurant and, you know, I order four things and mm-hmm. I don't care what you put in that bag as long as I got four items that are in that bag, yep. you know, so based off of the amount of things that somebody's getting in return, I would have to say that, that the Rockets would won. Victor Oladipo, he he's a great player, a definite starter right out the gate. Mm-hmm. Dante Exum is going to be a great player for them to come off the bench. And even all of the secured picks that they have for the draft going forward. I mean, these guys are, are kind of in a rebuild. But if I'm a Rockets fan, I'm excited for the next coming years. Maybe not this year, but I'm excited for the next to come. But it's it's very hard for me not to say, all right, the Nets, they, they kind of took it because, you know, that's kind of a piece that's missing for them when you're saying you need a big three to compete for a NBA championship. But at this point with the things that they have, I mean, there, there's no chance that they're not going deep into the playoffs. And I mean, the only reason that they would not based off of personal reasons from Kyrie right now that we're seeing, they might be down him. I mean, we don't know how long this might be, or, you know, I'm afraid I'm going to pick my phone up one day and see like Kyrie Irving is, you know, retiring from basketball and has decided to take into more politics and a political approach and activists. And 
that would just be heartbreaking. But I'm going to have to give it to the Nets here, man. Um, I think James Harden's a great pickup. They wanted him. They figured out a way, great front of the house move for them to figure out how to go get their guy that they wanted. Um, and I hate to see, unfortunately, you know, I really like the Karis LeVert and Jared Allen out there as starters. I mean, they they were the up and coming, the risers of the mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nets. So I'm going to have to give it to the Nets, man. They pick up their guy, they get him, and, and I think all these other teams are going to benefit from the move as well. I hate that this is the amount that they had to move around to get him, but – you know, it is a at the end of the day, it's a business. I just hope it's not uh, the blockbuster trade 2.0 disaster from when the Brooklyn Nets traded mm-hmm. all those picks to the Boston Celtics. And I think the Boston Celtics just now, this past mm-hmm. offseason, used their last pick from that trade. I believe you're uh, right. The Boston Celtics traded away, what was it? Jason Terry, uh, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett to the Brooklyn Nets, and the Brooklyn mm. Nets thought uh, they were going to win a championship in the next year or two because uh, Paul Pierce and KG did it in Celt in Boston, um, and they were just a disaster in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Celtics obviously used those picks to get Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, um, and they just built their youth off of it. And you can see now Boston – going deep in the playoffs every single year. Um, me personally, I think the Rockets actually won this deal. I know okay. the Nets got um, James Harden, but they lost so much of that depth that they had and they were using great at the beginning of the year. Karis LeVert, I don't know how they replace him. Um, exactly, yeah. You can replace him with James Harden, but it's it's going to take a little while for their chemistry – um, to start flowing. I mean, KD hasn't played with Harden in a while. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Kyrie when he's going to be back. Um, the Nets do have Landry Shamit. He was good with the Clippers last year, so that's a nice piece off the bench. I still like Joe Harris. I mean, in this type of offense, Joe Harris is just going to sit up on the three and let Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie just dish to him. And all he's got to do is just knock down threes. All easiest paycheck he'll make for the rest of his life. Exactly. <laughs> um, the Rockets, they get Oladipo. Um, he's on a expiring deal. So if it doesn't work out for Houston, they could trade him at the deadline and get some decent picks for him or even a, maybe another decent player. Um, and they also have John Wall with him. And <clears throat> P.J. Tucker's still there. Christian Wood has been great for Houston. Um, they got DeMarcus – Boogie Cousins coming off the bench for him. I mean, Houston's going to be stacked uh, in the future. They've got to use those picks wisely, and if they can hit on two or three of those picks, I can see Houston being back competing in the Western Conference in the next two to three years. Um, The Pacers, they got Karis LeVert to pair him with Brogdon and TJ Warren. I think that's nice. Uh, Pacers are still not going to be – that competitive in the East. The East kind of seem a little top-heavy with me. Um, we'll go over our top teams in a little bit, but um, definitely the winners for me are Houston. After Houston dealt so many of their picks away um, a year ago, now they get a bunch of those back uh, along with Oladipo. Who knows, Oladipo and John Wall could uh, play well together and they start building off of them too. Man, I tell you, that sounds like a dynamic duo in the making. Oladipo, you add him with John Wall, 
They've got all of this space. I mean, they don't have a lot that they have to work with. Oladipo, of course, would be worried about a contract extension. I mean, oh, yeah. of course, but I see that as kind of one of those sleepers within the next year or two. That'll be that dynamic duo, how they talk about the Splash Brothers out there in Golden State and in Oakland. They'll be on that same level if Oladipo holds up his end of the bargain. I think John Wall will bring it every night. Victor Oladipo, I get worried about him for health concerns. So. Yeah, both of them do have health concerns, uh, uh, along with Boogie. Um, but yeah, I still think Houston has a good future and a good plan in place. Uh, their head coach is Steven Silas. He's was with the Dallas Mavericks for a long time. I'm a huge Dallas Mavericks fan, so the same I'm man, that's su- your squad right there. Yes, sir. I'm going to support Houston, kind of. I know Dallas is a big rival with Houston, but I want uh, Steven Silas to do well. Appreciate it, man. I hear you. Well, let's go ahead and move into our, uh, our NBA landscapes. Uh, I, I know that, you know, things are shifting. It's early right now. You know, we, we still got, we're, we're probably about a third or so into this condensed season. Um, I, it almost blows my mind when I go and look at the total amount of games that have been played at this point. But um, anyway, moving on. So for you, what are you seeing um, in your side, you know, as far as Western Eastern? Tell me how you're looking at those teams right now. So how I see the top four teams in the West, right now i got to say the top team, uh, we'll just go one through four. Top team is definitely the Lakers. Um, LeBron and AD are back, and they're better than ever. They improved their squad uh, by adding Dennis, adding uh, – Oh, Montrez Harrell. I mean, he was great with the Clippers as a six-man, and now he's with the other L.A. team, the Lakers, the real L.A. team. Um, Second in the West, I've got – this may be a surprise to some people. I've got the Phoenix Suns. Hmm, let's see. Yep, the Phoenix Suns got off to a little bit of a a hot start, and then they kind of fell off a little bit. But I really like the addition of Chris Paul – with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre Ayton is a future superstar in this league, pairing him with Devin Booker. I don't care what the Phoenix Suns have to do, but you have to keep those two together. Chris Paul is eventually going to retire. He is older than he is young. He's probably got, I don't know, three, maybe four years left. Four probably tops. Mm-hmm. Um, third on the list, I've got the L.A. Clippers. Um, the Clippers, again, bring back a loaded squad with Kawhi and Paul George. They did lose a little bit um, of their depth, but they did add Nicholas Batum from the Hornets. Got to remember, he was a um, – I believe he got offered the max deal with the Hornets. He just never really developed or was a star max player. But now he is with the Clippers. Um, and he is a good piece for them. He can shoot, um, and he's also a pretty good playmaker. Um, at fourth, I'm gonna, I got a tie for fourth right now. I'll be a little biased. I'm gonna say my Dallas Mavericks are in the fourth spot. Um, they did get a W tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. Kristaps Porzingis did play, he is back from his surgery this offseason. Four eight was buzzing out there, man. Oh, yeah. Um, he is back from his torn meniscus. I think on a minutes restriction, they probably wanted to play him 20 minutes or so. He ended up playing 21 minutes. 
Had 16 points, four boards. Not a bad night. Um, Luka Doncic, of course, led the way with 34 points, 13 rebounds, and nine assists. So one assist away from a triple-double. And he is shooting the three ball a lot better. Uh, Also in the four spot, I got the Jazz. Um, The Jazz is a very competitive team. Uh, You got Donovan Mitchell there. He is going to be a superstar definitely in this league. Um, As the older superstars transition out, you're going to see Donovan Mitchell definitely take over. Absolutely. Uh, What do you think about those four or five teams? You know, man, I I like where you have them positioned. Of course, you know, Lakers, they're at the top right now, you know, defending champs, and that's who, you know, people are chasing. I will say, though, I would probably move my tie for four for the Dallas Mavericks. I would have to give it to Portland. I just feel like the Portland Trailblazers are one of those teams that are a sleeper team. They they don't take it too hard in the play or in the regular season. They pace themselves. Damian Lillard is is lights out. I mean, I would put pair him with any four other players as the starters, and I know that he would go out there and win games. But I like where they're sitting right now. Um, sitting at six, they're tied actually with Dallas right now in the standings yep. for the West. Um, Phoenix Suns though. And I will agree with you on the factor that them going to pick up Chris Paul in the offseason was the smartest move for them to make in order to develop their players farther along. Oh, I absolutely agree. Chris Paul, he may not uh, score 25 points a game like he was doing back when he's young, but he is an absolute floor general uh and he's an absolute leader on the team. He knows how to play the game of basketball, and he knows how to play in this league. Um, I forgot the Phoenix Suns also have Mikel Bridges. He has been a very good player for them. Um, early indications are that he could be most improved player. I mean, he's been great this year for them. And I also agree that the uh, the Trailblazers are also a very deep team. Um, if you remember in the bubble, I mean, Damian Lillard, was dropping what it seemed like 50 points every single night. I'm telling um, you, man, every time he shows up to the court, I mean, he he shoots lights out from anywhere on the court, and there's some shots he makes that make me kind of scratch my head. Is, how are you taking that shot, man? Yep. Him and C.J. McCollum, I, I want to see the Trailblazers do good just because I love that duo that they have there. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they're a small market team. It seems like the NBA is more of a – um, large market teams, the the LA's, the uh, the Boston's, and everything like that. But uh, Portland is a uh, one of my favorite teams to watch for sure. Agreed, man. I agree with you. But I like the, I like where you have them sitting right now. Like I said, I know it's early in the game or early in the it's season. Early. You know, we want to see how everybody comes out. And and unfortunately, right now, some of those teams sitting down low. You know, I am surprised when looking at the standings right now to see. Teams like the Denver Nuggets, um, the Sacramento Kings, uh, the you know Memphis, New Orleans Pelicans. Those are teams that I was ready to see them get over the hurdle, um, kind of start improving themselves and in, in where they were sitting and kind of you know hitting that. All right, it's time to kind of start pushing ourselves from being you know in the pack to a little bit higher in the leaderboards. So I'm still waiting on them to kind of come out. And uh, of course, you got Minnesota just sitting down there. At the bottom, I, I don't know what their issue is, man. I, I just 
I feel like they get good players and then the players just don't shine or they don't progress the way that they want them to there. Nope. Minnesota's not uh not the place to be for the Carl Anthony Towns has been there for a, a while. Um D'Angelo Russell got there I think in the past few years. Um they got young players, they just like you said, they just can't figure it out there. Uh one of my most surprising teams that is down in the standings would be the Wizards. Um, I really thought that the addition of Russell Westbrook would help them, especially with Bradley Bill, kind of like a Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum type mm-hmm. duo, but it it just is not um, working out for them. They don't play any defense. Um, Bradley Bill was dropping 40 every single night, it seemed like, and they kept losing. Um, I think there was a stat on ESPN where he had the most points – uh, over a three, four games period, um, but they were still losing. Uh, it's then you you got your Detroit Pistons also pretty <laughs> far down there. I think Deport, Detroit's got to do something and just rebuild. I mean, it it's been tough, man. Of course, you know me; I'm a huge Detroit fan. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't choose to claim the Pistons. Uh, <laughs> I'm a fan of the of the sport, but I can't ride with the Pistons in the last few years. They've just kind of made my brain hurt in some of the decisions that they made. But I, you know, I I look at them and I see that them trying, them trying to rebuild themselves, kind of establish something. But I mean, you keep trading away all the players that you think should be there. I mean, Christian Wood has been a outstanding player for the Houston Rockets. Um, Luke Kennard, who is also on the Clippers right now, outstanding player. And you're looking and you're like, why are you guys trading them away? They asked for too much money. Do they not like the, the city did they not like the coaching staff you know you start to kind of wonder as a Detroit fan what the issue is in the city so but you know I will leave that for another episode I'm pretty sure I can do a full <laughs> hour and a half spill on D sport or Detroit sports and where they're sitting so oh, yeah. I'll leave it where it is but all right man so what do you got for the Eastern Conference who you got in your top four uh let's go one through four uh definitely gonna have to have Milwaukee at the top um they got Giannis. He's back playing at an MVP type uh, level. You got That's Chris Middleton. Name. I know it. Uh, got Chris Middleton. He's playing I'd, at a, his usual regular season pace, but I really need to see uh, playoff Chris Middleton. It seems like he has always a good regular season and falls off in the playoffs. So even though Milwaukee is one right now, mm-hmm. uh, I want to see Chris Middleton do. Do it in the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. At number two, I've got the 76ers. They have started off very hot. Joel Embiid is playing fantastic. Ben Simmons is not my favorite player, but he is playing well. Um, at three, I've got to go with the Boston Celtics. Um, even though they've lost some players in this offseason, I still think they're going to be a very good team. Um with Jason Tatum, he's a future all-star. Jalen Brown is great for them every single night. I, I will um, ask you, between those two players of, of of Tatum and Brown, who do you think will will contribute the most in their career to the Celtics? Because I'm looking at these guys and I'm saying, Celtics can hold people for a very long time. They'll pay them. They have a great culture in Boston. I see them as being two players that will stay together for a long time. Now, I should probably knock on some wood before, you know, the fans of the Boston Celtics say you just jinxed us. But who do you see going 
and contributing more to the Celtics franchise? Uh, I have to give it to Jason Tatum. Um, he just he's a better offensive player than Jalen Brown is, in my opinion. Um, Jalen Brown's probably a little bit better defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jason Tatum, if Boston lets him leave somehow, some way, they're crazy. Um, he's reportedly, I think, grew like another two inches this offseason. He's up that's to like 6'9 six, or 6'10. Six, I mean, that's just unreal. Uh, but I definitely think Jason Tatum is going to be great for Boston and for many years to come, as long as they keep him around. And I don't think they should let Jalen Brown go, but if they – if they're hurting for money on the cap or something like that, then I would definitely pick Jason Tatum over Jalen Brown for sure. Absolutely. I have to agree with you, man. I think Tatum is on the rise. Um, he's proven himself in regular season when he was a rookie. I mean, the guy was, was lights out. He's proven himself in, in playoff matches and appearances um, as somebody who's reliable. Jalen Brown seems to be coming into his own. But like you said, I, I feel like he's going to be more of a defensive player, kind of on the same level as like a Paul George, you know, can knock down threes from anywhere he wants to. But you also don't want to catch him on the other side of the court playing nope. you on defense. So I, I have to agree, man. I, I give it right now to Tatum, but I'm interested to see Brown make that next jump because I feel like he's going to do another jump, man, where he just takes it from a star level to a superstar level. Yep, and the Celtics are without Kimba Walker right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's another player that's got knee problems. Um, he is probably going to miss most of January, if not a little into February. So it's going to be a little while before he comes back. Once Kimba comes back, it depends on what type of Kimba Walker we get. Um, the Celtics could easily be maybe in that number two if – Lowest, the four or five seed. Um, but the Boston Celtics will be competitive in the East for sure. Um, and I think uh, in the four spot, uh, I do not have the Miami Heat, as many people would probably have them. I have the Brooklyn Nets there. Mm, okay, okay. Um, I, I like it. The Brooklyn Nets, with the addition of James Harden, it's going to be a little slow at first. They're going to have to figure out how to play together, but when you add superstars like James Harden and you pair them with other superstars like Kyrie and Kevin Durant, they just seem to figure it out. Um, Kevin Durant is definitely one of those players that knows how to play with other superstars. He did it in Golden State with Russell, um, and then he also did it in Golden State when they were building that incredible super team out there. Um so I think it's just going to take time for the Nets to come together. But once they get on a roll, I think they're going to be hard to beat. I'm, I'm interested to see kind of the look of them now. Um, I, I had a, a very interesting thought process as we were talking. I was thinking, you know, who the heck on this starting five is going to play defense? Because they just got rid of all their defensive, you know, gurus. I mean, mm-hmm. Karis LeVert was a lockdown defender for them. Yes, he was. Um, Prince was to too. lose him now and you're saying, all right, we're going to put James Harden in that place. James Harden is is known historically for his bad defense. I mean, he can hang with the best of them sometimes. I mean, he's a body out there. So, of course, you got to give him a little bit. But I don't see now as far as depth roster and why depth, ro- depth wise in the roster uh, who they're going to have to switch out when they have players like a 
LeBron James or Steph Curry come to their building and they say, okay, you got to stop it from scoring 40 or this game's over before, you know, the half. You make a very good argument. I have no idea how Brooklyn is going to defend these well offensive teams. Um, James Harden, he gets his bad rap for his defense, but I think when he wants to play defense, he can. Um, he showed that in the bubble last year. He had that great defensive stop uh, to win a game to, I think, advance in the playoffs or I can't remember the exact game. But um, And then Kevin Durant, he's just – He's so long, uh, and he, he'll be able to play defense. Uh, but you're right. They're, they're going to be hurting defensively. Um, I'm just looking at some of the games for them that they've lost. Um, I mean, they let Oklahoma City, who is not a very good team, put up 129 on them. Um, Memphis, who's also not very good, put up 115. That was the game that Levert dropped 43. Uh, I don't think they had Kevin Durant for that. Um, uh, you make a very good case. I don't know how Brooklyn's going to guard, and it doesn't help that they have D'Antonio on their staff because he is not known for good defense either. Um, and Steve Nash also came from D'Antonio playing with him at the Suns. So there may not be a lot of defense played, but Brooklyn's strategy may be just to be outscoring everybody, and they will probably be able to do that with KD and Harden. Absolutely. I mean, they, they've got some, some good players moving forward. I think they're going to be one of the most watched teams. I mean, the Lakers, of course, always have, you know, the the most people watching them. I mean, anybody on the East Coast that can stay up past, you know, 10 or 11 and watch their game, they have the most people that want to see how they do and do well. Absolutely. But Brooklyn sitting over in the East, man, I, I, I got I got very excited for them last year when I heard the pieces that they had moving together. The trade that they made today, you know, just kind of locks them in as much watch basketball Absolutely. for the rest of the season. So they, they will definitely have the people that are going to come in and, and want to say, hey, you know, does this work? Is this a super team we're going to watch going forward for the next three to four years? Or are they going to fizzle out in the next one to two? And we're going to say, man, that was a really bad decision that they made. So we'll we'll hold our breaths and wait to see it. Um I also see on here you have some some disappointing teams right now in your rosters. Um, you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, um, I already kind of made the case for the Wizards. Um, I want to talk about another team, the Toronto Raptors. Um, I mean, the Raptors won the championship two years ago, and Just now removed. they're at the bottom of the East. Do they turn it around? Possibly so. Um, they still got Pascal Siakam. Um, they did lose Mark Gasol, but I did not expect the Toronto Raptors to fall off this bad. Um, I think they're playing – oh, where are they playing? They're playing in Miami – or not – in somewhere in Florida. I want to um, say either Jacksonville or somewhere close. I know it's near the Miami area, so maybe it's somewhere in that area. But they are – they have relocated from um, Canada down to the U.S. to continue to, to play. To play because I think Canada's got some strict COVID guidelines for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Toronto's definitely a team. Um, just looking at uh, some of their schedule and stuff. They've lost some co- close games. The last two, they lost by one point apiece. A loss to the Warriors and the Trailblazers by one point. Uh, they've won against the Kings, and they won against the Knicks. That's not very good wins there. 
at all. They're, they're going to have some, some struggles. I think it's definitely going to come down to, of course, you know, for one, with COVID and everything, everybody's already away from their families. Yep. Um, a lot of players are having issues, of course, you know, moving. They, they sign a contract that basically says you go to the gym, you go home, rinse and repeat. That's all you get to do. And so when you're talking about a team that now has moved from their place of business and their, you know, gym that they're used to, man, that's kind of tough. And you're saying, hey, move down here and play a whole, you know, schedule. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they're totally away from probably parts of their family. Most of their family's probably uh, maybe not in Canada, but probably close to the, the Canadian border just to be closer to them. Um, they did pay Fred Van Fleet uh, a pretty big contract, and he's their leading scorer right now also with Pascal. And then Kyle Lowry, he, I think, got paid a pretty big size contract a couple years back, maybe a year after they won the championship, and he's just not uh, performing like he was during that championship run. Um, I think they maybe can figure it out, or Raptors have a very good GM there, um, and they may just kind of start over after this year and figure out what they want to do. Do they trade Pascal? Do they trade Kyle Lowry? Um, Try to figure out what they want to do with him. Um, But I've already mentioned the Wizards as one of my other most disappointed teams. Uh, You brought up uh, the COVID issues and everything. Uh, I saw two games were postponed tonight, and then I think another two are postponed uh, tomorrow night. What are your thoughts on uh, this COVID stuff? I've I've heard that the NBA is thinking about enforcing an even stricter policy. Uh, do we make it through this season? Um, do we just kind of take it day by day? Uh, what do we do here as far as the NBA and dealing with COVID? Um, I feel like, especially for as far as protocols go, I feel like the NBA was kind of the at the forefront of when COVID started all last year. Um, and, you know, the question was, are there going to be sports? And the NBA, you know, I have to give it to them. They, they took their, their place in. They said, OK, let's try and create an area that we can still play games and that's you know what we got was facilitated as the NBA bubble and they did it fall um, it worked out yeah it worked uh it worked out great um I don't think they actually had very many if any at all that anyone that came down with COVID um they were able to keep everybody kind of separated um teams didn't really have to do without certain things because of course I mean the best case scenario if anything gets shut down is we're going to Disney World guys mm-hmm. I mean that, that sounds like a great one, but I think that they did a good job in creating that bubble. And so the premise for this season was going to be, well, you're allowing people to play in their, you know, their home, their home courts. You're going to have a lot more travel, so we're not keeping it to one location. So it's going to be even tighter. Now, the NFL, and I know I'll jump for a little bit, but the NFL played through and they're now going into their post play and the playoffs and they've only I think canceled out of their entire slate of games I think I remember hearing it was about maybe three or four games that were postponed or moved for them to finish out the entire regular season and to me that blows my mind even more because football players come into much more contact than a basketball player and there's more people more play personnel moving around so that should facilitate COVID spreading in those areas but now you're looking at the NBA and I think some of these guys are kind of fighting it back you know they they had a um 
they had a, a excerpt, and I can't remember who it was from earlier. Um, there was a player that said, hey, you know, we're grown men. We get to do what we want to do. And, you know, that's a bad take on this situation because you have so many people that are giving up the time that, you know, to watch you guys play. They're sitting out in food lines waiting to get food for their families. And, you know, that dynamic when you're hearing people who are making millions of dollars and say, yeah, we'll do what we want to do. You're like, are you really taking this seriously? So, I would like to see them kind of enforce a, a few more rules. There were even some rules that I was kind of surprised that they were not enforcing, um, that they started to enforce now, or they're looking into enforcing. Um, the big one for me was in hotel rooms, man. They were allowing people to come into the hotel mm-hmm. rooms that were not personnel, and that kind of blew my mind for a minute. I mean, you know, I, I just – I would feel like it would make it a little bit more comfortable if, you know, they – brought some more restrictions in on it um i think right now as of, they've had 16 players that have tested positive um through the entirety of the year and had to quarantine um and you can you can see man i mean the league's not stopping no they're you not know, they they say okay you got to play with seven players then you know that's your decision you should have done better in your protocols in covid um what about you man how you feeling about it uh I agree with you on the COVID regulations. It probably should have been more strict from the start, but they were saying uh, try to give a little bit of freedom to these players that just came out of this bubble, which was extremely strict. They said, all right, let's see how well we can handle a little bit of freedom with some COVID guidelines. And like you said, it kind of had a little bit of a small outbreak. I know the Dallas Mavericks had, I believe, two players maybe three players test positive for it. Um, They ended up having Mm -hmm. to stay in Denver. I want to say maybe four or five players ended up having to stay in Denver after they played. I think they're back with the team now or back in Dallas, but they are quarantining. Um, George Hill was that player that questioned these strict COVID guidelines. And he says, in quotes, if it's that serious, then maybe we shouldn't be playing. Um has a point. He's got an argument there. I mean, yeah. um, some of these new guidelines are specifically a team on the road. Uh, the players and staff will be prohibited from leaving the team hotel except for team activities or emergencies and will be barred from interacting with non-team guests at the hotel. So basically, they're just going to go to the hotel and you can't leave. Um, the Dallas Mavericks, when they played the Lakers, uh I think they arrived in L.A. and they could not meet as a group at the hotel because of COVID guidelines. They had to meet as a group at Staples Center. They couldn't meet before the game. Um, They had, I think, maybe one or two practices before the game, but they couldn't have a, I guess, a a video um, review game film uh, uh, in the hotel. They couldn't do that due to L.A.'s guidelines. Uh, I think there will be more postponements. Uh, There's probably going to end up being some cancellations as we go on because as tight as the NBA schedule is, um, there's not a lot of back-to-backs, but it's usually one, maybe even two days off. And if you postpone a game, then you're going to create a back-to-back or you're even going to create a back-to-back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of wiggle room in there. So I think you're going to start seeing these postponements turn into cancellations. 
Um, Absolutely. And, and that, that jockey at the end of the season that we normally see for, you know, some of the, you know, six, seven, eight seed spots, um, you know, that is going to become a huge thing when you're talking about the amount of games that a team has missed on because of COVID. Um, I'm very interested to see how that dynamic will play. And of course, we're not even past the all-star break. So we'll wait no. to see how COVID kind of continues. But that's kind of something that I'm kind of looking towards in the future. I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I don't even know if the all-star game or break is going to happen. Uh, do you know if they've canceled that? Uh, I can look real quick. I, I haven't I haven't heard anything about it. I, I want to say it'll probably be kind of the same as how the NFL handled the Pro Bowl um, and designate players that made the Pro Bowl roster, but there's not actually a game that gets played. Um, so they'll, of course, get their marks and their awards for it, but I don't see them kind of facilitating a full – all-star weekend that we're used to seeing with a dunk contest yep. and a, you know, a rookie showcase and then an all-star game. I don't see that happening this year. Nope. It's, it's already been canceled when they created the NBA schedule. They said there will be no all-star game, but there's going to be a, a quote unquote break for five days. So there's an all-star break, but I agree. They're probably going to list their um, list, their all-stars, uh, I guess the midpoint, Best players. I don't know if they're going to do any voting or anything like that, like they have done in the past couple of years. Um, they they'll probably do who would be in the dunk contest, who's the best three point shooters. Who knows? They may even try to do some virtual stuff like they did last year. Um, uh, I think it was before the bubble. We were kind of dying for some type of sport, so they didn't they do some like horse contest with some of the old NBA players, old WNBA players. Um, yeah, I believe they did, man. Yep. And, and I'm I'm kind of looking at it. This is an opportunity because you know you could take the dunk level, the dunk contest to the next level, man. Oh, Can yeah. you imagine that some of these guys in quarantine? I mean, they jump over all kinds of stuff in the stadium or in the gyms themselves. So imagine if they were at their own home, you know, advantage or their houses, and they were concocting all of these dunks and different things. I mean, there's an opportunity for some must see TV for them to create, but I don't know exactly how the logistics will work for that. So, yeah, that's going to be tough to do it logistically. Um, but with modern day technology, they can definitely figure out something to entertain the NBA fans over that weekend. Uh, something else I'm looking forward to just to change up the topics and the sport altogether. I know we primarily said we would talk about basketball on here, but we're also other big sports fans, we got the NFL playoffs coming up. Uh, oh, yeah, man. I believe it's the divisional round. We have um, the Chiefs versus the Browns in one side of the AFC. Uh, who do you like out of that game? I- I'm going to have to, of course, go with the Chiefs, man. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, just he's he's magic, man. He, he, he makes the game look easy at the hardest position, which is the quarterback spot, so – and plus the Browns, um, I, I don't think they're going to be ready for it. They're not going to be able to keep up with them touchdown for touchdown. So going to have to give it to the Chiefs. Uh, I got to do the same thing. Patrick Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen. Um, and he's he's just a magician on the field. Um, I don't trust the Browns. They did win against the Steelers, which was a crazy game. I think they had 20, 28 points at the end of the first quarter. Uh, Big Ben looked awful at first, and then I think he ended up throwing for 400 yards or something like that. But I just don't trust the Browns to outscore the Chiefs. Um, The Browns do have a good, good, not great defense, 
Um, but do you trust Baker Mayfield to outduel Patrick Mahomes? I just don't. I, I I can't trust Baker Mayfield to do those things. I mean, he operates well under pressure. I mean, that's the kind of running joke with him is that, you know, he can't handle normal games. I mean, they lost to the Jets for crying out loud in the regular season. Yes. Um, but they he handles positions of, you know, putting himself in the position of I got to make this happen, I got to win. He proves himself under those. So I think he'll put some numbers up, some great stats. Um, I don't think it'll be a blowout. I think it'll probably be probably – I'd say like a two-score game at least, um, unless the Chiefs just come out firing on all cylinders. I mean, they're rested, man. They're ready for this. They are rested, but they have not played late in the last three weeks or so. Um, if you remember the Patriots during their kind of dynasty, they always had the first round bye, but they were usually always playing well up until they got that bye. Um, mm-hmm. The Chiefs barely beat the the Falcons, I think, in the last week or last two weeks. And the Falcons were really bad this year. Um, yeah. Back to Baker, I don't – the Browns do not have to rely or they don't rely on Baker to make every single play. They have a strong running game. Um, mm-hmm. Can the Chiefs hold up against that running game? I think yeah. so. The Browns are probably going to try to play keep away, just keep the ball out of – Patrick Mahomes' hands, but you can only do that for so long. Titans tried to do that last year, and they got torched in the second half. So, mm-hmm. um, Absolutely, man. The next game we got is the uh, Saints versus the Buccaneers, the two old guys battling it out for maybe the last time. Who knows? Uh, who do you got out of that game? You know, I, I am a huge, of course. I, I think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, I know that we we look at the Chiefs and what they got going on down there in Kansas City, but anywhere Tom Brady goes and touch anything he touches turns to gold. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to give this to the Bucks. I think they come out cylinders just completely firing. Um, the Saints look a little bit – I wouldn't say they look soft, but they look a little bit off balance. And I can kind of tell from their game with – the Bears and the wild card matchup. Um, I think they handled them very well, but I also saw some concerns on um, defense, uh, offense to be able to move the ball. I think they'll have some challenges, the Bucks will, with the Saints, but I think that they handle business, man. I think this is probably going to be the best game of uh, the play, the divisional round weekend. Uh, I really don't know who to pick on this game. I I think I'm leaning Saints more. Uh, maybe my hatred of Tom Brady is coming out there. I agree That's that fair. he's the greatest of all time. He is uh, was amazing in New England. I just hate that he won so much being a Cowboys fan. Uh, <laughs> I think I like the, the Saints in this one. It's going to be real close, though. I believe it's in the Superdome. Uh, but you got to remember, there is no f- very little fans. There may be... It's not going to be the normal sound level deafening that uh, they were accustomed to. Um, But I like Drew Brees and Kamara. Maybe he gets it going with Michael Thomas again. Uh, I think the Saints can create some turnovers, just kind of confuse Tom Brady. Uh, I'm liking the Saints in that one, but very close game. Okay, man. I like it. I like it. We got a. We've also got on the NFC side, and uh, I, I, of course, we're gonna go with the Rams and the Packers. Um, I will get your take on this first because you know how I feel about the Packers. So <laughs> what? What? How? How are you feeling on on this game? Uh, I think it's gonna be the Packers by a lot. I really think this is AA Ron's year. Um, he has been on a mission ever since Green Bay drafted a quarterback. 
Um, the Rams do have a great defense. Um, I think Aaron Donald uh, is a little banged up, so we'll see what kind of Aaron Donald we get. But he is a machine. Uh, the Rams have two great corners uh, to defend uh, Devontae Adams and company there with the Packers. But it's going to be cold up in Green Bay like it always is. I, I don't know the weather. Heck, it could be snowing up there. Um, Absolutely. But I like A.A. Ron in this game. You know, man, I to 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 clear it for for our viewers and our listeners, I'm a huge Detroit Lions fan. Okay. I'm probably the only Detroit Lions fan that you will find within a 50 mile radius of wherever I am. I'm probably the only one. Saying all of that, I have to respect greatness when I see it. And Aaron Rodgers makes things happen that like ways I've never seen before. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of times that this man has just had me out on my on my balcony or on my porch just contemplating <laughs> life because I don't understand why he is as good as he is. Um, I don't care who you give him as a wide receiver. I don't care who you give him as a running back. As long as he's got an O-line, he's going to go out there and win football games. Mm-hmm. Um, I see the Packers routing the Rams. I do too. Um, I will be surprised if they don't drop a 50 bomb on him, but I won't give him that. Um, I will probably say they win mm, probably at least by three touchdowns. Yep. I'll give them that. And uh, you got to remember, Jared Goff is coming off thumb surgery last week. He did not look good throwing the ball. Um, does did, does he get better in a week? I don't know. Uh, how do, well does that thumb hold up with it being so cold? I also don't know. Uh, I don't trust Jared Goff one bit. Definitely taking the Packers by a lot. Then uh, the True. other game in the AFC, we got the Buffalo Bills versus the Baltimore Ravens. Who do you got? Bills Mafia, baby. You liking the Bills? Man, I you know, I am a huge fan of the underdog, okay? I, I just, when I see an underdog, I got to take them. I feel like the Buffalo Bills are in this position are still underdogs. They are still unproven. The, bu- the Baltimore Ravens, of course, this is their first time getting this far in the last three years with Lamar to the next phase of wild card or the past one game of the playoffs. I see that working for them, but I mean, Jared Allen is just, he's, he, he's the man. Okay. I mean, Buffalo, they, they, they got pizzas getting made after him right now. You know, like they, they crash through, they bring their, their energy. And I think that the Buffalo bills find a way to win this one. I do too. Um, Josh Allen is the real deal. Uh, pairing him with Stefan Diggs was amazing. Uh, they've been electric together. The Bills have a okay defense. It's not great, but um, they should be able to contain Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson may get a few long runs, um, but the key is to just to contain him. Don't let him destroy you like he did against Tennessee. It seemed like every single long run he had, he scored for a touchdown. Um, I, I just like the Bills there for sure. Bills Mafia. I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a close game, uh, either a, a one-score game or, or maybe like a score and a field goal of some sort, but I think it'll be close yep. into the fourth. I do too. And the Bills fans have been dying to see this as well. Um, oh, and man, I think I'm they... hoping for them. As a Lions fan, I'm hoping for them that they get to make it to the next round because I just I love those underdog stories, man. I mean, they ain't even supposed to be in the, in the talk for a team that should be playing for a Super Bowl and – They've, they've definitely come out and shown what they have. Yep. So. From the beginning of the year, I don't think many people pick the Buffalo Bills to be um, potentially at the top of the AFC. 
Um, out of these teams uh, playing this weekend, I know it's kind of a little bit easier to pick, but who's going to be in your Super Bowl and win it? Ooh, man. I I am thinking who? I'm thinking, of course, I, I believe that the Chiefs will find some way to beat either the Saints or the Bucks going forward. So I'm going to go ahead and choose them for my AFC. But now the NFC, now that's a tough one because I can see – I can see the Packers, of course, beating any team out there right now. I mean, they're playing on all high levels, but if I, I'm going to give it to the Packers. If not the Packers, I could see the Bills finding some crazy way to win in Lambeau or or anything. I mean, I, I could see that, that headline now, so I'm going to go with the Chiefs and the Bills. I think that will be my matchup for the Super Bowl. I would love to see both those teams go at it. Chiefs and Bills, what about are, you, man? Chiefs and Bills are both in the AFC. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right, yeah. man. I'm looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. All right, so we're going to go with the Chiefs, and I will give it to the Packers then for the NFC. Yep. What about you? That's my Super Bowl matchup, Chiefs versus Packers, and I think Aaron Rodgers gets a Super Bowl, gets his second. Mm. I know you I don't want to hear that it. as a Detroit fan, but uh, he's on a mission. <laughs> you know what, man? I'm to the point now with him that I'm just like, you know what, win whatever you got to win for you to retire. <laughs> I will be the first person to jump for joy when Aaron Rodgers announces his retirement. And I don't, I, I will. I don't think Aaron's one of the, I don't think he's like a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees try to play until um, I no longer have ribs to break or mm-hmm. Tom Brady's just going to keep playing uh, as long as he has a decent line to protect him. I can see Aaron Rodgers retiring. Uh, before he hits 40 or maybe right at 40. I don't see him playing past 40. He he may not play after or before 40 either. So I see Drew Brees' wife coming down on him <laughs> at, at practice one day and saying, hey, you're done getting a car. Exactly. So. <laughs> I, yep. Drew Brees is going to be yeah, man. Drew Brees is going to be on TV next year for sure. 100%. He's a, a definitely going to be a great analyst. Uh-huh. I look forward to seeing what he does in his future. Um, even you got some guys like Philip Rivers who are getting close to their end, and he's kind of making a push for that coaching, man. I'm interested to see who of these guys are going to be coaches. Coming down. I think Philip has agreed to coach at a school in Alabama, actually. I think, uh, or maybe in Florida, just somewhere down south. You know, he's mm-hmm. born and raised in Athens, Alabama, right down the road from Florence, where we're from. So, uh, yeah, I think. Phillips got a bright future definitely in front of him. Huh? He could definitely enter the co- college or even NFL coaching very soon as well. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. I, I like I like the, the the take on that one. Well, I see we've got um you know we've got these teams that are sitting over here in the playoffs right now, mm-hmm. you know, looking good. Um, but we of course have the teams who didn't make the cut, um, and then we have the teams that are at the bottom of the bottom that said we're starting from scratch, man. We've got a lot of NFL head coaching and GM jobs that are available coming into this offseason, man. What do you think about that? Yes, we do. Uh, I was watching ESPN today, uh, seeing where Joe Brady was getting interviews uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles and other uh, jobs as well. Um, But, yeah, there's definitely a lot of NFL head coaching jobs. One is going to be the Detroit Lions. Who do you like there? Um, you know, as far as for a coach, a head coach, I've been hearing a lot of stuff from uh, Robert Slaw out of uh, 
out of the 49ers, that's actually their defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He interviewed for the position last week. I like the guy. I think he's a strong choice. Um, I would have to say my what the hell moment would be Marvin Lewis, the old um, head coach from Cincinnati Bengals. Um, not one of my highest picks, but hey, you know, I'm going to trust, you know, the guys at the front office, even though I probably kill myself for saying that. <laughs> I'm going to trust what they're doing. Um, and hopefully they'll make the right pick, which right now I'm going to endorse Robert Salah. I love his defense. He's one of those coaches that literally just he gets you excited to see him come and, and watch his guys do good out on that field. Even got an endorsement from uh, a lot of the 49ers defensive players, if I'm not mistaken, yep. for him to be a head coach this coming year. Yep, I also like Salah there at Detroit. Um, let's see what other head coaching jobs are out there that I would think. Uh, let's see. The, yeah, gen- the Eagles just let go of uh, Doug Peterson. They opened up their head coaching position. Uh, I can't stand the Eagles. That's the Cowboys fan coming <laughs> out. Uh, whenever they played the – I think it was the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I wish both teams could lose that game, but it's not possible. <laughs> I don't know what the Eagles are going to do in their spot just because you got Carson Wentz, who has reportedly said he wants out, um, but that was when Doug Peterson was his head coach. So does he kind of – does management go to Carson Wentz and say, who do you want as a head coach? Um, they also have a mess as far as cap space and contracts. The Eagles are going to have – a lot of work in front of them, not just finding a good head coach. Um, let's see. They seem to have some internal issues that they're not really wanting to talk on. No. I, I see it kind of, and you watched it as the end of the season, you know, kind of came to the regular season. They seem to have a lot of internal things that are kind of they're dealing with that they don't really want to bring out. I mean, the Eagles are one of those time-tested old, you know, teams that you know they're going to be in some type of talk in a few years, or if they're not in there this year, they might be the next year. So kind of blew my mind to see some of the stuff coming out of there. Absolutely. Uh, It seems not good there for sure. Uh, I think my favorite head coaching job out there is probably the Chargers. Um, Justin Herbert, their quarterback there, is dynamic. Um, They also have a very good wide receiver corp with Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, their defense needs a little bit of work there, but I can see them going and finding a bright offensive mind um, and maybe just throwing this out there, bringing like a Matt Patricia in to coach up their defense. I know Be bad, man. Uh, he wasn't good for your Lions as far as head coach, but he was a good D.C. for the Patriots for a very long time. So, You know, I, I have such an issue with it's – it's a love-hate relationship with him because – I, I acknowledge the things that he's done in his past. His his If you look at his resume, the man looks like he could coach any team mm-hmm. in the league. I mean, he looks like he would pull the best out of anyone. Some of those Patriot defenses of the past that we've seen, and it's like they've got nobody on that team, but somehow, some way, they're ranked top five in you know, defenses in the whole league. So with him coming into there, you know, I would have thought, defense would have been a huge thing you know they would have focused a lot more on it apparently things didn't go the right way with um him and some of the personnel that they had i mean it lot left they let a lot of players go that i thought that they would have held on to to build around mm-hmm. so whatever he's got going on with him man i won't wish any ill on him but i'm glad we moved on from him. whoever gets him next good luck yep and speaking of uh defensive coordinators the cowboys found theirs thank god uh, they I saw got, him and I saw that pop up. Got rid of Mike Nolan. 
um, and they hired Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn uh, was recently with the Atlanta Falcons as head coach. Uh, got them to the Super Bowl, I believe, in his second or third year. Um, um, the twenty-eight to three debacle. I mean, just I don't know how the Falcons lost that game besides just Tom Brady being the goat. Um, but yes, the Cowboys found uh, their DC and Dan Quinn. Uh, he led the Legion of Boom in Seattle. Um, he did indeed. I think, well, actually, I think his first, one of his first NFL head coach or uh, defensive jobs was with Nick Saban down in Miami when Nick Saban was the coach of the Miami Dolphins. So it's mm. kind of another Saban coaching tree right there. And some all over the place, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of Saban coaching tree, so the Alabama Crimson Tide, they won their. Oh, what was it? 18th national number 18, baby national championship. I've lost count. There's so many. Yeah, that that's a good problem. To exactly. Have when you're kind of championships, man. Um, what do you think about the game? Um, to me personally, it was kind of a snooze fest in the second half. So I'm an Alabama fan, uh, but I don't like snooze fest, and it seemed like that in the second half. What was your thoughts? You know, I, I, I myself am a huge Alabama fan. Um, I thought it was a great just route of a team that could have caused us a couple of issues. I think that Saban gets the boys ready. I mean, it does not matter who he has for his disposal on his roster. He brings the best out of them, and he only puts them in positions to play at their best. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys that we saw on this team that won the national championship on Monday – I mean, they were a lot of familiar faces and key players that we've seen for the last four years making plays and putting them in championship positions. So I think as far as for the game myself, I thought, you know, definitely a snooze fest. Um, I always love to watch Alabama score and run up touchdowns. <laughs> those. That's just me personally. Um, you know, take the fun out of it. Unfortunately, it's hard being great. So say if you don't um, like I it, think that they did a great job. If you don't like it, stop it. <laughs> exactly absolutely if you got an issue with it man then you can you're more than welcome to come to brian denny stadium and tell us otherwise exactly uh but yeah this is probably one of been one of saban's greatest alabama football teams uh they seem to just love to play together that offensive line loved each other um you had jalen waddle who i believe had surgery what was it two months ago to fix a broken ankle dis or dislocated ankle broken leg i mean and he's out there playing do i think he should have played no but can i tell the player no you can't come out there and play when you he just wants to be out there with his brothers so um and then this defense it wasn't the greatest defense but they had stops when you needed it um in today's college football um with the how dynamic these offenses are and they spread them out um, to hold teams under 24 points, that's all you got to really do nowadays because most offenses are going to put up points. Absolutely, man. I, I've watched in these last couple of years and, and touch on that with offenses and defenses. Seems like offenses have just kind of become more high-powered mm-hmm. in the last, you know, five to ten years. And I watch defenses and, you know, I kind of look. There's a lot more rules in play. Um, it's a lot harder for, you know, to have those big bruisers on that defense mm-hmm. go out there and make a statement without, you know, either getting ejected or costing, you know, critical yards for somebody or a down. 
So, I mean, it's kind of tough in this day and age, man. I mean, it's 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 better to be an offensive player, I feel like, in this year than it is to be a defensive player. Oh, absolutely. Um, if you remember Nick Saban's first, oh, I don't know, four or five years as Alabama football coach, it was all about defense. It was dominant defense and run game, controlled the clock uh, type offense with Mark Ingram, the, the dual running back system. It seemed like he always had two great running backs at all times there. Um, and then it slowly – he got beat by Auburn. Um, he got beat by Ole Miss. And how did he get beat? Get beat? It was those up-tempo offenses, and Nick Saban hated it um, because he had these defenses that to have a good defense and to get his scheme out there, he had to, I guess, kind of huddle up and say, all right, this is what blitz package we're going to do. But with these high-powered, up-tempo offenses going no huddle – uh, hiking the or starting the play with still 30 seconds left on the play clock, you got to play basically base defense the entire time and you just get torched. Um, Nick Saban was trying to get the, I guess, the referees to institute new rules so the offenses couldn't do that. They said there's no penalty, it's not unfair. So Nick Saban said, okay, that's fine. I'll join you and I'll have the best offense you've ever seen. And you won't Absolutely. be able to stop me. Um, and I mean, it, it, it kind of speaks. I do want to kind of touch on just how crazy this year was for them to to have the level of dominance that they had. Um, starting out, of course, we didn't know if we were going to have college football mm-hmm. because, unfortunately, COVID is, is a real thing. We didn't know how the schematics or how anything was going to work for them to play a full season. We weren't even promised a full season. Then we went to an all-conference, which was unheard of to ever say that there was going to be an all-SEC conference play for the regular season. And even at that point, man, I said, you know, I'm okay with Bama losing a game or two this year because of all of the circumstances that are going on. They get through the entire regular season without even really being tested, maybe once or twice. I'll take Ole Miss and say that they did test us a bit. I'll even go back and say Missouri gave us a little bit of a run in that first half mm-hmm. of their game, but that was the only time I ever saw them tested. Now you move into a college football playoff, or actually scratch that. Let's go to the SEC championship. You've got Kyle Trash coming in with the, the Florida Gators. Um, they are probably the only team on paper that looks like they can match up with Alabama, mm-hmm. and Alabama handles them flawlessly. Um, SEC championships, of course, are the biggest thing for that 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 actual program. They enjoy those more than their national championships. You can ask anybody. Uh, Nick Saban loves SEC championships more than college football championships. It's just how he is. Mm-hmm. Um, you move into the playoffs, you know, and then we're kind of looking like you guys are going to the Rose Bowl, but oh, you're actually not going to the Rose Bowl, um, you know. And they have schemat- schematics they got to play with there, and they're kind of heavily favored and you're looking at a Notre Dame team like this might be a sleeper. Exactly. These guys could come out and maybe, you know, do some damage, handle them with no issues, make it all the way to the college football championship to play the Ohio state. You think after you watch an Ohio state team that beats a Clemson team, probably down to its knees, there's no way that they're going to be able to contain them from at least scoring or going toe-to-toe with them. Whoever hits 50, I thought, was going to be the winner of that I game. thought so, too. I thought it was just going to be a um, score fest the entire time. And they come out, man, and they just they, – they come out, they handle business. 
I want to touch base on Nick Saban because Nick Saban didn't look like he actually really had to do too much coaching out there for that game, man. He at times doesn't. His players just know the process. They know the scheme like the back of their hand. Most of the players have been there for three, sometimes even four years. I know he's got some freshmen out there with uh, Malachi Moore, Deion Branch, and he's got some uh, freshman defensive linemen that come in and play in spurts with Will Anderson off the edge. Um, but these players just know the system um, and they can ex- execute it flawlessly. And at times he doesn't have to coach. He more coaches his coaches uh, than he does his players. Um, and this this past Monday he didn't do a whole lot of that. It was just perfect execution all around. It was, uh, it was definitely something to, to marvel at and watch. Mm-hmm. I definitely can understand the, the talk of greatest uh, college football team ever. Um, them to be in that conversation, I definitely think they should get a look at it. Um, and I'm sure you feel the same way about it too, my friend. I do. Um, the last year's LSU team is up there. Um, you got to go back and look at some of the teams in the eighties, some of those Nebraska teams, even some of those USC teams in the early two thousands. Uh, I can't speak mm-hmm. on way in the past. I wasn't alive. Uh, I can look at stats <laughs> and everything. Uh, but this Alabama team, they played an all-SEC schedule, and I believe only two teams scored over 24 points on them. Um, I believe it was Ole Miss and Florida. So that is, uh, that, That's what we call right there, domination. domination. Um, and unfortunately, the people that don't like to see it, um, they will be back next year, same time, same program. Mm-hmm. So hopefully the teams bring their best. If not, then we'll be doing this again the same time next year, man, talking about number 19. Uh, I'm an Alabama fan, but I'm going to be somewhat of a pessimist. Uh, I don't know if we'll see 19 next year, just early looking at it. Um, you got to mm-hmm. replace the entire left side of that offensive line. Um, the defense, True. most of the defense should be back. We'll see what happens with players entering the draft early. Um, you got Sertan's going to leave probably early. Barmore is questionable. Um, he's re- projected in the first round, so I can see him going. Uh, but the offense is going to be needing a total rebuild. Um, Mac is projected to go in the first round, so he could leave. Um, Waddle, he's projected to leave as well. So you got you got some weapons you're going to have to replace. Um, now, does Alabama ever re- fully rebuild? No, they just reload. So. They've got some five stars uh, sitting on the bench, just waiting their turn, trusting the process. And uh, but it may be a little bit of a bumpy road the first few games, uh, especially if you got Bryce Young back there as quarterback uh, with a brand new offensive line. The reason why this year's team, I believe, was so great was the continuity on that offensive line. I mean, they just played so well together. Agreed. Um, to wrap up. Uh, our first pilot episode of this podcast. Let's talk a little bit about one of my favorite sports for a little bit here on college basketball. So Tuesday night, Alabama came away with a great win. I believe it was the first win in Rupp Arena since 2006. Um, And it wasn't just a, a win at the buzzer. They beat Kentucky by 20. They put a smack down on Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Alabama's basketball seems to be 
on the rise for sure. Nate Oates has them playing fantastically. They have bought into his system of kind of a defense first, uh, defense uh, and rebounding kind of creates your opportunities, opens up the floor, um, and Alabama is a three or an easy layup team. Uh, they do not take mid-range jumpers. Um, that's just what Nate Oates likes. He likes a lot of volume or easy buckets. Okay. That's what he wants. Um, what other teams in college basketball are you seeing that uh, could be good this year and could be dancing in March maybe? Um, well, of course, you know, I've got a, you know, you got some blue blood teams that are out mm-hmm. there that, you know, haven't really been touched too much. Uh, the University of Michigan is putting on an absolute show that I have not seen since the Fab Five. Um, for those who, who have no idea, haven't turned on a Michigan game yet, um, they are just playing some of the absolute best basketball that I've seen. Um, I am extremely excited each day in and out undefeated still. We don't normally get to say that with Michigan basketball, but you know, we're sitting up there pretty nicely. Um, I am interested. I have caught, you know, like the Houston uh, Cougars, they're looking really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, of course, Duke is, is still in the running. I mean, they're, they're still a great team. You've got the Virginias, the Techs and, and Virginia Cavaliers that look really good. Um, and of course the Baylor Bears, man, they, they're playing some serious. Oh, well, the Baylor is fantastic. And I think the number one team as well as most people think is Gonzaga. I mean, I wish America's team. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wish Gonzaga would get out of the whack. I think they're in the whack, uh, because they just play such an easy conference schedule, um, that it sometimes diminishes how good they could be. I agree. Uh, they're in the West Coast Conference. So uh, they don't get ever challenged much out there. There's a few years where St. Mary's had a decent team and challenged them and even Santa Clara. Uh, but Gonzaga needs to get out of that conference. Do I think they ever will? No. Just they've been in the conference for so long. Uh, Texas is another team that is very good this year. Um, like you said, you got your Blue Bloods. Uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk with KU. Um, Tennessee, Alabama did beat Tennessee. Tennessee's only loss this year is to Alabama. Um, Tennessee did not play well at all, and I believe they were out one of their star players during that game. Um, but Tennessee, Rick Barnes has them playing great basketball. Uh, but I agree on Michigan for sure. I think Michigan beat Wisconsin. This past weekend, I think they went on a 35 or 38 to 3 run. It was a total domination in that basketball game. Uh, what other teams? Uh, the most surprising, of course, is probably Kentucky. For Agreed. Kentucky to recruit like they do, five star after five star, and they have just looked absolutely awful. Uh, is it because there was no offseason? They didn't get to play. Not a normal off season. It was still an off season, but not a normal off season where they could get together in a gym, uh, play together, learn how each one plays. Um, due to COVID stuff, I don't believe they got to do that. Um, they probably weren't able to work out together. Um, probably had to work out in small groups. So the chemistry is just non-existent right there. Um, yeah, they, they seem like a team that is kind of based off of a program that is kind of taken on and still the one-and-done tactic of, you know, we'll bring you in, 
we'll get you NBA ready and you'll be out the door by, you know, the spring season when the draft comes in. And I, I see that as it works great when you have just a regular season. But in these stressed times and the stressed environment, it's very hard to bring a lot of those team or players that are bigger than the program themselves down in enough time to say you have to do the correct things right now Mm -hmm. to get to that next level so I see them having you know kind of they're gonna have to reinvent themselves um instead of the one and done tactic that they've done for so well now of course they put some great players into the league don't get me wrong but I think for now they're gonna have to take a step back and say okay is this the way that we want to continue playing or, you know, recruiting? So I'm surprised, man. I was not expecting to see them as low in the charts. Um, I've watched a few of their games, and they just look a step off. Mm-hmm. Oh, they just don't play together. Um, I agree. I don't know what type of recruiting changes they would do. I mean, you want the best players, so you're going to recruit the five stars and everything that are one and done. Um, but it is shown. I mean, just look at past NCAA tournaments. Um the teams that are senior heavy, junior heavy, they usually go further than the freshman teams. I think Calipari has only won one championship since he's been there. Um, he's made, uh, I think, four Final Fours, um, but it's been a little while since he's he's got there, um, and I don't think this year's team is even close to getting there. But, again, he's probably just going to rebuild around some more five stars next year. Um, and I know he's got some transfers coming in as well. I think there's a West Virginia guy that's going to transfer to him and be eligible next year. So that'll be a definite help for them. Uh, so I guess I want to end the podcast on maybe a few NBA games that you're looking forward to this week, and, and then we can sign off. Uh, sure thing. Me on Friday, I'll start it off on Friday. Of course, my Dallas Mavericks are playing at Milwaukee. Um, Kind of an MVP race battle with Giannis and Luka. Uh, I'm definitely excited to watch that one. That one's going to be actually on ESPN, so I'm for sure going to be in front of a TV watching that one. Uh, How about you? What do you got? I'm looking forward to probably on this Saturday. I'm looking at right now a Houston and San Antonio matchup. I'm very interested to see that. I want to see, and of course, once all these trade deals start to go through, now you're going to have a a James Harden list Mm -hmm. uh, Houston Rockets team. So I'm really interested to see how they kind of, you know, stem the, the scoring output that he normally gives them. Um, I'm also looking forward to on Sunday, man, there's a matchup between the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics. Now, if you haven't been tracking the New York Knicks, man, they are not the same New York Knicks that they have been in the past. Um, so I'm interested to see how they kind of come out and and test themselves against a, uh, a a true team with Boston Celtics, see how they stack up to them moving forward. Uh, Same here, man. The Knicks, uh, Obi Toppin has been playing fantastic for them. Um, I'm definitely excited to see that matchup with, Boston as well. Absolutely, man. Well, I think uh, I think this one, man. We we've definitely talked a little bit. I, I was worried about our time frame that we would be able <laughs> to get things done, man. But I can tell that uh, we each had a love to say, man. I, I enjoyed this one. Um, as far as a pilot, how about you, man? What do you think? Oh, this was awesome. Uh, I agree. We may need to go over some of our notes and listen to this podcast and see how we can maybe trim a little bit of it down, uh, or we may like this length. I know. 
once we get talking about sports, it's hard to it's hard to stop us. That's for sure. Ah, you know it, man. It's always the fun part of hanging out with you, man. Exactly. So good. We'll um we'll bring it back next year or next next week. We'll see if we can kind of uh you know cut it down a little bit. Um, I of course I, I like the way that we're kind of having our format. I'm hoping next week we can talk about you know these teams going into for the NFL. They're they're moving into almost Super Bowl, so we'll get a matchup for those four teams that we're looking at. Um, we've got some huge matchups for NBA. Of course, we're still going to be monitoring COVID. Uh, we will definitely be watching the standings, any players that are out. Um, we'll kind of keep a track on that. And, you know, I'm kind of glad we get a break from, from NCAA football, man, because I'm glad to be able to look at college hoops with you and see who's going to be moving into that spot for March Madness. Hopefully we get it this year. Absolutely. Yep. College basketball and March Madness. I think March Madness may be, uh, my favorite time, um, just sitting in front of a TV, watching game after game after game. Uh, sometimes yes, I'll even have a, a computer up with games, two or three TVs going. It's a, it's a great time. I feel you, man. Well, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to uh, the future with us, man, for the Jumpman Chronicles. I think we, we got a good thing going here, man. Uh, hopefully for you guys that are getting a chance to listen to this, whether we decide to send it out fully to everyone or we, you know, choose a few people. We hope that you guys enjoyed it. Um, so at this point, man, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Um, I am Spencer O'Neill and we've also got Jake Harrington on the other side. We appreciate you guys keeping in and staying tuned with us and we will see you next episode right here. Absolutely. See you guys.